after Beethoven's Ninth Symphony because it changed so much about classical music. No one wanted to write or publish another symphony. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was kind of like a little Ninth Symphony curse. But Mahler, after completing his Ninth Symphony, he joked that the danger was over for a composer to die from writing a tenth. But in fact, it was his last. So he the was curse. like, ha ha, curse. And then he croaked. <laughs> the curse was like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> Cheers. Welcome to Pour Me a Mozart. My name is Asia and I'm here with Steven and today we are drinking to Malbec and Mahler's Symphony Number no. 1 Titan. Hi Steven. Hi Asia. Welcome back. It's good to be back. Thanks yeah. for having me again. Yeah, glad to have you back. Um, so we were just talking a little bit about what's coming up for you next semester because you're on a break. Um, Winter break. Winter break. Yeah, you're on winter <laughs> yeah. break right now. So, um, but before we get into, because the project you're working on for your dissertation is super cool, but this will be the first episode of the new year. So I wanted to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions. Oh yeah. Do you want to go first I, or I can go first? Go for it. Okay. You're the hostess. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my things that I want to try to do in the new year is waste less food. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. I am the queen of, well, I love cooking and I like meal prepping um, because in the middle of the week, you know, it's really busy and it's nice to just reheat something that you made that was super tasty, Mm -hmm. but I get really overexcited and I think I can prep like four or five (laughs) recipes and that turns out to just not be true. You just want to eat all the things. I know. (laughs) They all look so good. I need to make a list and be like, okay, you can do maximum of two recipes this week. No more. Yeah. And it'd be great if ingredients overlap a little bit. But yeah, I find like I get to the end of the week. I haven't done two or three recipes sometimes and (laughs) things go bad. And yeah, um, it's not something I'm super proud of, but it's something I'm trying to be better about in the future. And the cats can't eat everything that's leftovers, right? <laughs> they don't eat anything that's leftovers. Oh my gosh, do you feed Buster wet food? I I have tried feeding him two or three different brands. He will not eat it. Interesting. He'll smell it. He might lick it a little bit, but no, he well, won't eat wet food. Probably because it smells bad. Pro- it smells disgusting. Like, my cats cry for their wet food. Every single day. Really? And as soon as I open it, I'm like, oh, how do you eat this? This is awful. nose plugs when you feed them. (laughs) I do. (laughs) But they're like, they're loving it. So uh, would you like to share a New Year's resolution? Sure. My resolution is, I haven't quite settled on the number of times per week yet, but maybe four or five days per week work on writing my dissertation manuscript. Mm. Because that's going to be a doozy. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Um, do you know how long it has to be or just, there's no, um, minimum as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking Is at there a maximum. No, <laughs> <laughs> a previous grad from my lab has a nice, like, I don't know, two or three inch stack. That was her dissertation. Yikes. Um, not looking to do something that long, mm-hmm. uh, cause that would be horrible. Um, yeah. but, uh, a, a friend of mine who recently graduated hers was about 200 pages, but that's including all the figures, the references, et cetera. So gotcha. the actual writing, it's I think it was 60 to 70 pages total, mm-hmm. which is much more doable than 200. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I'm not even... J.K. Rowling. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I just writing papers was never my thing. 
never my thing. Like a 10 pager, I'd be like, ooh, <laughs> I don't know. We just submitted a, I think, it, I think it ended up being either 12 or 13 page paper based on the study we did last year. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, just the number of times that we reviewed it before submitting it, the number of re you know, different analyses that I did on the data. That was a year. So that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of your dissertation, we talked about this a little bit on the last episode that mm-hmm. you were on. Um, so what, but just explain again, I think this is really interesting study that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So what, what is it? Yeah. So we are, so one, um, we're, we're interested in virtual reality, right? And we work with a virtual reality professor on campus on some of this research and interestingly in their literature he's never come across anything that evaluates using virtual reality as like a replacement for in-person training whether that's um, you know running through drills or testing out and learning equipment um, which is you would think that you should probably evaluate a new technology like that before Mm -hmm. just assuming it works um, but it's kind of like this shiny new toy that everyone wants to jump on and you know play with, um, but no one's really evaluated if it's a valid replacement or not for training situations. It's like um, in-person training. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're going to evaluate uh, whether or not it is at least uh, a, a valid replacement for assessment, not so much the training component right now, um, but for assessment of skills for future doctors and nurses. Um we're working with the medical school on, on our campus at UNR uh, with the nursing program and the physician assistant program. And we're going to be taking them through some virtual, se- uh, some well, some of the subjects will go through virtual assessments. Some of them will go through in-person and we're going to compare the two and see if there are any differences. And if so, what are the differences? Yeah. So you're working with a few different departments yeah. too, which is yeah. probably logistical. It is a complexity. very. Uh, I get to practice my metaphorical juggling quite a bit. Yeah, I uh, believe it. Hey, just just getting dates for you know running all this the components of the study was. I mean, we've been trying to nail that down since March. We yeah. finally did. So we've got like a couple weeks booked in June to do the study. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next semester is all about like the prep work, making sure that the the VR sims are created and specified how we want them, that everything's running smoothly. Um, and it's also especially challenging because the VR simulations will be multiplayer. Um, so you'll have two people in the same simulation that aren't in the same physical room. They're going to be separated. Oh. Um, so that would be that's cool, too, because mm. if we see that, you know, VR is a valid replacement for in-person, then that kind of extrapolates to, you know, people who don't work co-located, who are located across the globe, can yeah. come together virtually and do some sort of trainings. Yeah. I like that you call it multiplayer <laughs> training. <laughs> Maybe that could be like a new training incentive, you right. have different training levels, but it's like leveling up in a video game. <laughs> that would there's a there's a whole like branch of research on gamifying stuff like training and mm-hmm. if you make something like that fun people want to do it more yeah there was um a friend of mine from college we talked about how like how can we make practicing like leveling up in pokemon for example mm-hmm. like and then you evolve into a different kind of musician <laughs> or something and i mean That's you perfect. do it's just yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to quantify how you level up. Yeah, it's really hard to see that progress from yeah. day to day. 
guess mm-hmm. that's what lessons are for because I've had teachers tell me like you don't see the day-to-day improvement but when I see you week to week things have changed a lot I'm like oh I don't believe you but am that's I level fine. 54 now or <laughs> yeah. am I still 53 have I evolved <laughs> <laughs> am I a Raichu yet <laughs> oh that'd be sweet <laughs> <laughs> um Let's see. I wish I had other questions for you. <laughs> I know. I feel like, like we, I mean, we talk year. too much. Like, I know. We'll we just do. have to take like a three week break from talking before I come on again. <laughs> did <Just> I, kidding. <laughs> um, on the last episode, did I ask you your favorite snack? Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember either. What's your favorite snack? Oh gosh. Um, you know, I really love goldfish crackers. Like, oh. I just got a bag of those for Christmas in my stocking, mm-hmm. and I haven't opened them yet because I know as soon as I do, they'll last for maybe an hour. <laughs> Is so it one I'm of the big, them. like, milk cartons or, like, No, a it's bag? one of the paper bags. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when I used to, I used to visit my grandma for a month every summer in, like, middle school, high school, and she'd get me, like, one of the big uh, cardboard containers, mm-hmm. and I'd just sit there watching TV all day that I wasn't doing anything. And oh, yeah munching on those yeah they're easy do you to want just lunch like, no i've got my goldfish snack that smiles back goldfish <laughs> that's a drink <laughs> they weren't smiling too much because they were getting eaten very quickly <laughs> <laughs> they were smiling until they saw the hand just coming in <laughs> the claw <laughs> um so last time you were on the podcast you wanted genuine reactions to the piece so you did not listen to the entire piece yes did and i also time? did not this time okay. because christmas <laughs> <laughs> that's fair um yeah so this is we're recording the day after christmas mm-hmm. even though this will come out like january 3rd or something whatever that friday is mm-hmm. i'm not sure um so yeah we're we're a little bit ahead of the game which is great <laughs> um but yeah christmas just happened so i hope everyone had a great christmas and merry christmas stuff and happy new and year happy new year hope you were safe oh this is a good time to talk about responsible drinking um yes <laughs> even though it's past already listen up in the future for us in the past for you people <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh please enjoy alcohol responsibly <laughs> i feel like that should have been said on every episode <laughs> but um i mean yeah this podcast is not here to encourage binge drinking. No. It is here to encourage binge listening to classical music and enjoyment of a safe amount of alcohol and then don't drive. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> should we talk about what we're drinking? Sure. So, this is a Malbec um, from Argentina. 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 Argentina is the best place. <laughs> For vampires. <laughs> I was burned to be a vampire. So the Malbec grape didn't do very well in um, other places where it was grown. But Argentina is the perfect place because the climate is, well, it's grown on mountains. So the altitude and the cold. But I think it's not quite as cold as some other mountainous regions because, mm. you know, Argentina. Right. Um <laughs> But yeah, Argentina is the perfect climate for the Malbec grapes. So you can find an Argentina Malbec, probably good to go. Um, this is called the Battle Axe Malbec. I can't remember why I chose this bottle, to be totally <laughs> honest. I think in the liquor store, I was like, a Malbec to go with Mahler? Why not? That's why there I chose a Malbec. Mahler and Malbec. <laughs> there's the connection. Yeah. At least <laughs> there's like it. It ends there. sort of a connection, unlike last time. <laughs> yeah, mojitos and Beethoven. 
<laughs> did it? I, I still wonder if anyone found a connection between those two. Oh, my mom did. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's on the Facebook page. Oh, I need to go look. Yeah, I can't remember. It was something <laughs> like, yeah, something <laughs> minty about music. <laughs> <laughs> They're both cool and refreshing. They are cool and refreshing. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Mystery solved. So, okay. So Battle Axe is a cut above the rest. Bright with a deep ruby color, the wine has intense plum and violet characters. I can definitely taste the plum. Mm -hmm. That mingle harmoniously with spice and toasted coffee notes. Well-structured and deeply concentrated, Battle Axe manages to remain soft and approachable while still offering a cellaring potential of 7 to 10 years. That sounded a little bit like a dating profile. Soft okay. and approachable. <laughs> I don't know. I'd swipe left on that one. <laughs> Soft approach. I don't know. I will be around for seven or to maybe, ten years. Or maybe like a, a ad for an animal at the Humane Society. Yeah. This cat's soft and approachable. I would, I would get that cat. I would too. Yeah. I did get that cat. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> Cindy Lou's soft and approachable. She Dexter's... Is. A little bristly sometimes. He's choosy. Yeah. But when it's time to cuddle, he he's ready to cuddle. <laughs> so I have to be honest, even though I can taste the plum, like that's not really what I like in a Malbec. And it's not why I drink red wine. <laughs> it's like a little bit sweet. What do you think? Um, I, I can taste the plum. Um, it's a little different than some of the, but I usually go with like a cab or something. Mm -hmm. um, but this is good. Yeah. I actually... Um, I started liking wine with cab, which I think is backwards. A lot of people start with the sweeter wines mm -hmm. because they're, I mean, they're way more soft and approachable. <laughs> um, but it was a cab that made me fall in love with wine, and, and mm -hmm. I've kind of progressively gotten sweeter. Um, the sequin Moscato. Wait, what did I say? I meant, maybe I didn't say a specific, specific wine. <laughs> I've had two sips. I don't know. <laughs> Two giant no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no. There were two regular sips. Really, really big sips. <laughs> um, no, a lot of people start with Moscato, but the sequin Moscato is what made me like Moscato because it's mm. a little bit bubbly Ooh. too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I can't do like a big fold cab anymore. It just doesn't really appeal to me the way it used to. Yeah, I can't do if it's too sweet. I can't do it. It's just like. I'm the same way. Maybe I just like water. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do love me some water. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'll drink this, but it's not, it's not my favorite. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a little too sweet. Um, so have you heard of Gustav Mahler before? Mm, no. No. I hadn't either until I went to college and we were doing a Beethoven cycle kind of paired with a Mahler cycle. They mm -hmm. each wrote nine symphonies. And for a while we were doing like Beethoven five, Mahler five, Beethoven nine, Mahler nine. And then they just comparing. diverged and I got really confused about which symphonies <laughs> I've played. <laughs> but yeah, it was nice when they went together. Mm -hmm. Um. So Gustav Mahler was born in 1860 in the Austrian Empire, and where did he die? In Vienna, um, 1911. <laughs> that was a really weird way to say that. Where did he die? <laughs> this is my inner dialogue that apparently Not I don't anymore. keep in my head. <laughs> I guess that's a good skill for podcasting. Yeah. That's just kind of how I am. <laughs> um 
so I think we talked about um, how Beethoven wrote nine symphonies and after Beethoven's ninth symphony because it changed so much about classical music no one wanted to write or publish another symphony mm-hmm. um, and there was kind of like a little nine symphony curse <laughs> like no one completed more nine. than nine yeah, yeah. and it, it's happened since then um, but Mahler uh, he died of a strep blood infection after completing his ninth symphony he joked that the danger was over for a composer to die from writing a tenth because the ninth symphony was really his tenth but in fact it was his last symphony number 10 remained a sketch form remained in sketch form when he died so he the was like curse. Ha, ha, curse and then he croaked <laughs> the curse was like oh no you didn't <laughs> yeah don't you mess with the curse <laughs> <laughs> we'll show you <laughs> Just like every year you think the DADA professor is going to last. Oh, yeah. Then Voldemort's curse. Uh, yeah. Mm-mm. Yep. <laughs> uh, Harry Potter reference for those of you who are sadly not in the know. It's come on, guys. It's by the time you hear this, it's 2020. Get I in know. the know. You gotta <laughs> at least watch the movies. Um, so Mahler graduated from the Vienna Conservatory in 1878. How was that for a... <laughs> that was a nice <laughs> transition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Watch Harry Potter. So Mahler. <laughs> Um, he got his first professional conducting job in 1880 at a small wooden theater in the spa town of Bad Hall. Um, oh. Was Good Hall full? (laughs) (laughs) Bounce. Must have been. (laughs) So I have to admit, uh, my mom did my homework for me tonight. So I have yeah, thanks, Mom. <laughs> so I actually have no idea what that means. <laughs> but See, this is... No, it's bad hall. <laughs> what does bod mean in German? <laughs> she said it probably means bad. <laughs> in case you couldn't hear that. Um, so it took him two years to get a job after he graduated... Um, I'm going on six years trying to get a full-time job, so I mean, I know. Um, I hope it doesn't take six years to get a job. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I like to think it's a little harder in the music industry than most others, so you have at least that going for you, (laughs) but... um, Oh, bod equals bath. I mean, means bath. (laughs) Bath hall. A spa town. Oh, this is all making so much more sense. The line, the dots are connecting with lines. (laughs) Yeah. In a wooden theater. It must have been like a sauna or something. Ooh. So he's conducting in a sauna. Um, <laughs> in 1881, uh, the they did the first full-scale opera of Verdi's Il Trovatore. I think that's misspelled. Trovatore? Trova? I should just skip this stuff. He had a lot of jobs. Um <laughs> I feel like this is actually how resumes are reviewed. He had a lot of jobs. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, I know where that one is. <laughs> um, July 1886 to May 1888. Um, he had an appointment in Leipzig. Leipzig? Leipzig. I need to look. You're not helping. <laughs> Leipzig? Man, <laughs> he had an appointment somewhere. This would have been a great 
reason to take German. Um, <laughs> he had great public success, but the orchestra members resented his dictatorial, dic- dictator-like manner and heavy rehearsal schedules. And boy, oh boy, have I worked with conductors like that. <laughs> um, many conductors I respect greatly, but I've realized I will never have quite the same admiration for a conductor like I did when I was, you know, in high school. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just like you're so good oh my gosh <laughs> i want you to think i'm good too and now i'm just like i don't care eh. <laughs> i do my work i show up do my best and go home and complain <laughs> you're like the mom from despicable me eh. <laughs> <laughs> which one the first one the first one he's like wow, building a rocket that. it shoots up and she oh eh. <laughs> You know, I think a little bit of that is lost because <laughs> the listeners won't be able to see her facial expressions. <laughs> go watch the movie. Yeah, go watch the movie. He did a really great imitation. Um, and it, from 1887 to 1888, Mahler was writing um, his first symphony, which a little bit of information about that later. Um, he also worked at the Royal Opera in Budapest, uh, the Hamburg Opera, he was director of the Vienna Court Opera, conductor of the Metropolitan Opera in New York in 1908. And then for the last two years of his life, he was the conductor of the New York Philharmonic Society. Mm-hmm. So he made his way over to New York and lived the dream. And he's part of the New York Phil um, ancestry. <laughs> what do you say that? How do you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at the expression on your face as you're trying to figure it out. I, I know. I saw you just laughing. And I was like, help! Help me say something! I, I, well, let's go with how you pronounced it. I'm a, I'm Ancestry? A, yeah. Oh, I just, I think there's a better word for that. Oh, I'm I, pretty I, sure I I'm know. pronouncing that word correctly. Lineage, <laughs> Lineage thank you. <laughs> oh, I thought you said, okay, never mind. I was thinking you were asking, like, pronunciation versus word to I. Oh. <laughs> Man, how much of this wine have we had? What's the alcohol Two content? Sips. Two sips. <laughs> it's not that high. It's like a normal wine. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. <laughs> um, so Mahler has made a mark on the musical community um, for many reasons. Some people don't like him, though, um, or they prefer Bruckner. There's, um, Bruckner wrote really cinematic music, but he wrote in a really long form mm-hmm. like Mahler the symphony that we're talking about today is almost an hour long Ooh, dang. yeah <laughs> yeah and it's his shortest and most approachable <laughs> of his nine it's symphonies. soft and approachable well it's soft and approachable <laughs> hey thank you <laughs> there's another connection um his 10th might be shorter because it's unfinished but we're not gonna count that one um but his music is very intense and emotional, so some people don't like it. And there's, oh yeah, there's the Mahler-Bruckner camp, and I, I have to say, I like both. I don't, I don't see why you can't like one or the other, like cats and dogs. Like you can like both. I have cats. You can like both. Yeah, you don't have to like <laughs> both, but you can. Yeah, it's allowed. It is allowed. <laughs> um, ooh, I don't know how much Freud you've, um, studied in your degree. Not at all. Freud was a little bit of a hack. Oh, really? He just kind of like made stuff up. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh yeah. That was very Minnesotan. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> well, you're from Minnesota, so it's okay. But I've been in Reno for four years. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just start going away. <laughs> you come back here like all the time, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, anyway, Mahler went to see Freud um, because his beautiful wife was having an affair. And Freud, I guess this does make sense that he's a hack. He suggested that the, that the affair was the result of Mahler not allowing Alma, his wife, to have her own composing career. So this, I'm words reading. After this, Mahler <laughs> encouraged his wife and got even, got even, even got, will you read this? Just kidding. <laughs> and even got some performances for some of her work. So Alma Mahler is um, another well-known composer, mm-hmm. at least in our community. She's well-known, but I, actually. Thanks, Freud. Yeah, thanks, Freud. I'm not <laughs> sure that, um that I know any of her pieces but yeah I mean sure maybe she wanted to have her own composing career but like I don't think that's really at the root of cheating no that seems like like maybe if she was trying to do the composing career without him knowing that would make more sense but that doesn't but like not the cheating like yeah you won't let me have a job so I'm gonna go cheat on you I mean that seems like a pretty simple problem that you don't need to go to Freud for right I don't know. I'm a little perplexed by that. I'm 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 uh, very surprised that Freud didn't suggest it was like because she secretly wanted to sleep with one of her parents or something. Well, that that's like would what everything sound more like Freud. To. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to know that he's a hack because that's and yet he remains one of the highest cited psychologists in history. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you can be next. You can surpass him. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to be quotable. <laughs> no, 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 quotable, quotable. Asia wants me to be a hack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want you to be good at your job. <laughs> um, Mahler was known. Here, here I am with my transitions again. <laughs> um, Mahler was known for his final word on his deathbed being Mozart as he was conducting with his right forefinger. Oh, so he must have must have really loved some Mozart. I guess. So let's talk about the first symphony specifically. Originally, this was meant to be a tone poem in two parts with five movements total. Um, This is thought to be modeled after Berlioz's Symphony Fantastique, but it became a four-movement symphony instead. There's probably information about it. I didn't read it. (laughs) Um. (laughs) You sound like my students. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I sound like my students now that you mention it. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't? You, this was in the chapter. Oh, I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> so frustrating. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah, this probably wasn't my mom's <laughs> research, but I opened up the Google document and I was just like, oh, I wonder how I had my printer ready and everything. And I was like, I wonder how many pages this is. And it just kept scrolling. And it kept saying, last edit was made a few seconds ago by Catherine Myshack. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go do something else. This is live updating right now. <laughs> yeah, it was almost 70 pages. Dang, like, that's like a thesis. <laughs> but apparently it was mostly copy and paste. But <laughs> Just kidding. The length is. There's that little plagiarism thing you would have to like not do <laughs> i mean yeah the work is make it shorter. 
exactly. yeah the work is make it go. shorter well <laughs> last night i was here for christmas and she was trying to send me home with books and i was like i'm not going to read a book tonight but then she just instead sent me a book via the internet <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to carry this. Fine. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> so the two parts of the tone poem were, um, oh, so there are currently four movements in the symphony and it was meant to be in five. And you would think that the fourth movement would be the one that split into two because it is 20 minutes long. Dang. But oh no. <laughs> It was the first movement that was split into two. Um, so part one would have been from the days of youth. Youth, fruit, and thorn pieces. And the first movement, spring and no end. This, <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> this introduction. What, you mean none of this cold and snow that we're it's super enjoying right now? I mean, it's actually not that cold. It isn't. That's so true. I'm, it's 30 out right now. <laughs> Which, For like, all my listeners in France, I have like my second highest listenership is in France. That's Fahrenheit, not Celsius. Yes, yes, that is Fahrenheit. <laughs> it's a little below zero. A little below freezing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like balmy. <laughs> <laughs> now, at least it's not like negative 30. Like it's sometimes this is is true. this time of year. Yeah, yeah. So actually, this is like. The beginning of spring for us. This is like if it was two, three months later, people would be outside in shorts. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there were people outside in shorts today anyway. I would not actually be surprised. Yeah. Um, so spring and no end. This introduction describes the awakening of nature at the earliest dawn. And then um, the second movement is the flowering chapter on Dante. And then the third movement, which is actually the second movement, is set with full sails, a scherzo which is um, the second movement is based on a landler dance. So I can, I can really see that being about sailing. Mm. Um, you're disagreeing because you have... Whatever you said, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> um, and then part two is Comedia Humana. I don't know what that means. Should have looked it up. Um, <laughs> I wish I could keep talking while y'all are laughing at me. <laughs> the first movement, stranded, a funeral march in the matter in the manner of Callet. Um, this is copy and pasted from Wikipedia, so that's blue. I could have clicked on it and <laughs> looked that up too. You know, when you touch it, that doesn't actually work. Though. Oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> she just was touching the blue. Yeah, I did touch the blue. <laughs> um, and then the last movement would be. Del Inferno al Paradiso as the sudden expression of a deeply wounded heart, which I don't... Sounds very somber note to end on. Yeah, and it's actually... I mean, maybe it was a slightly different piece, but the fourth movement is like bombastic AF. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this could be Star Wars Ooh. easily. Yeah. I'm and it just like it that. doesn't quit until you get to like the sad longing version or version theme. And I, the fourth movement is nuts. It's like 20 minutes of utter chaos. <laughs> um, so before we jump into the actual music, I just wanted to say this quote from Mahler. This is probably his most famous quote. The symphony must be like the world. It must embrace everything. Um, 
and he made musical interconnections between his symphonies that bind them together into a larger narrative, which is from my mom's research. I didn't know that. Um, I knew that his symphonies w- in and of themselves mm-hmm. are very, like, they're very expansive. They do show the world, mm-hmm. like, honestly, maybe even a little bit more than the world. <laughs> um, there was one that we played where our conductor ended up explaining, <coughs> excuse me, I think it's in Indian, there's like seven different words for love and how this movement of the symphony encompasses all of those different kinds of love. And I was like, wow, there's just, wow. (laughs) Now what we really need is one that gets all the the words for snow. Because isn't that the Eskimos have like 30 words for snow or something? Oh, so I think it's Eskimo. I thought that was just a Minnesota joke. Maybe, but maybe yeah. it is, and I'm just pretending it's real. <laughs> no, that, that sounds that sounds real. Yeah. <laughs> um, Someone needs to write that symphony. Yeah, write the the thirty words of snow. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a long one. <laughs> yeah, that will be a long one. Where's Mahler when you need him? All right. So shall we dive into the actual music? We shall. All right. So this is the very opening of the symphony, and I want you to tell me what you think when, okay. we, when we come back. leisurely gliding through space on their way to something not very important but they're just enjoying themselves yeah and there's like the little introductions of the woodwinds Mm -hmm. um or like the clarinet sounded kind of happy the and then um (laughs) that's a drink um and the oboes at the very end the they just sounded really longing Mm -hmm. so you're maybe passing different planets that have different different things going on mm-hmm. that you know about because it's star trek and right <laughs> you know what's happening on other <laughs> planets um what i really like about this is the orchestration so that um really stable sound that you hear throughout in the strings mm-hmm. is actually um the same note being played in seven different octaves oh so all the way from the first violins down to the string bass everyone's just holding and sustaining the same note and Something I read mentioned that that kind of evokes nature, which makes sense with the spring and Mm -hmm. youth. Um, But when I hear it, I do think space. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this might be a Scientology thing, but they think there's like a a pitch that everyone hears or there's some like song of the universe or something. But 
this isn't actually originally a Scientology idea. <laughs> There's um, <clears throat> back in ancient astronomy and ancient music times, they thought that the planets all rolled to the same tune. Like there mm. is probably some sound that we're very used to mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah. But I mean, that just kind of, to me, that's what I think of. I'm like, oh, that's the sound that's always there mm -hmm. that we just don't acknowledge anymore. Mm -hmm. Or you don't even know. Mm -hmm. Like when we're, we're constantly moving, the planet's spinning, but we can't, it's not something we can perceive. Yeah. And having just one note doesn't really give you a good idea of even what key we're in. Mm -hmm. So it's completely open-ended. And that wasn't even the entire introduction, and that was over a minute long. <laughs> so if that gives you an idea of how long-winded Mahler is, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there you go. Um, this next bit is, I believe, still the introduction. Um, but these are just some triumphant trumpet, triumphant trumpets. <laughs> Maybe I should make people drink whenever I mess up my words. <laughs> triumphant trumpets. Triumphant trumpets. <laughs> But I just think this sounds really cool. <laughs> that was short. <laughs> that was short. Yeah, we're also uh, snacking on some lefsa. Stephen thought he would have some time. I did <laughs> so <I'll>... one bite. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, that's kind of foreshadowing for what will happen Later in this, I almost called it episode, um, movement. <laughs> what is music? Um, <laughs> Star Wars, episode 10. <laughs> yeah. uh, this actually is episode 10. <laughs> um, what happens later in this movement and then in the fourth movement when it gets all bombastic and crazy. Um, and also the trumpet call is a very nature-y kind of thing too. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you heard at the very tail end, there was one phrase that da 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 um, that was played between like four or five different instruments. If I had looked at the score, I could tell you for sure. But mm -hmm. um, part of the difficulty of playing Mahler is that you don't always finish your own phrase. Oftentimes you pass it off to someone else um, in episode eight, where we talked about Debussy's trio sonata. Mm -hmm. uh, we learned that passing off a phrase on one note and another instrument picks it up. You're going to love this word. It's called a clong farben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's such a great word. That's awesome. <laughs> Klongfarben. Klongfarben. So let's listen to the second theme of this first movement. This isn't the first time you hear it, but it is the loudest. <laughs> <laughs> the symphony is surprisingly quiet, so it was hard to find excerpts that I was like, I think if you listen to this in a podcast, you could actually hear what's going on. <laughs> there's another, there's a big moment like that later, but in any case. In any case. That definitely was a lot louder mm -hmm. than the beginning it was at, yeah. honestly like we have the speaker right here and it was mm -hmm. a little hard to hear i mean just mm -hmm. the beginning of the begin yeah the beginning, <laughs> the of, the beginning of the clip. beginning the beginning of the beginning <laughs> but this one yeah that was a lot uh more expressive i think than and less constant 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's even less constant is the tempo. Mm-hmm. To fluctuate the tempo as a whole group, that really takes a lot of ensemble participation and knowing each other and your colleagues really well. And yeah, so at, at the very end of that phrase, you can hear them speeding up a little bit and then yeah. um, pulling the time. But um, when I hear that, I think of like a festival. That does sound festivaly. Um, mm-hmm. Something you might play at like. Renfest or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> maybe that'd be more people than you could put in like a square at the <laughs> Renfest or on one stage. But yes, <laughs> that kind of idea. Like walking around Hogsmeade or something. Ooh yeah, yeah, that is really Harry Pottery. <laughs> um, so there's a few different themes in the first movement. It's um the first movement is about 16 minutes long, kind of depending on the performance. So there's quite a bit that I could have shared and then didn't um, because I don't uh, well we have to talk at some point what (laughs) I know this is is a podcast (laughs) yeah Um, so we're going to move on to the second movement and I didn't write any notes I think this is the Landler dance though Does, that definitely sounds like it would be like a big group of people dancing to it. Like I, I can't think of like a specific movie or something, but like very coordinated, like people twirling each other mm-hmm. and like in Frozen or Anastasia. Ooh yeah, yeah. That would be good. Yeah, that would fit. That's the image I get for that. Um, and I've played the symphony a couple times, and that movement is just so much fun to play. Um. <laughs> There's like the it's just oh it's so great that's a drink because I sing. Um, but there's that Landler dance and this is I think we talked about this in the Beethoven episode the minuet goes minuet trio minuet so you'll hear the minuet part come back so I believe that was the end of the first minuet section. Um, which is why it sounded like the ending, but that was not the end of the movement. Was, that did sound like the ending. Yeah, but like, I think you repeat. Change. Yeah, you repeat back, and then it is the ending the second time. Okay, but fakes you out the first time. Fakes you out the first time. <laughs> so that's actually all I have for the second movement. Also, the third movement might be my favorite. I have a little bit of a longer excerpt for this. This is. Um, oh, good! I can snack. You can snack. <laughs> um. The beginning is extremely quiet, and I wish I could share this, but it just wasn't picking up. (laughs) I actually didn't even know this happened when I was listening to recordings, because Mm -hmm. even with headphones, I couldn't hear it. But it's a double bass solo, Mm -hmm. and everything says this is based on Frere Jaca. Hmm. Um, There was something I read that called it Brother Martin. (laughs) are you sleeping and i was like that's not how that goes (laughs) those seem like two very different things (laughs) um but yeah so it's 
I've always thought of it as London Bridge. The the melody is da 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 I don't know, it sounds like London Bridge to me, but they say for Jaka. So I don't know. And there's a drink. That's a drink, yes. So you gotta go with the experts on that one, I suppose. But this is um, not the very opening of this movement. This is where it's you can actually hear it. But I highly recommend if you see this on a program for a live performance mm-hmm. near you, go see it because that's truly the only way you're ever going to hear the bass. <laughs> Unless you get like really nice headphones and crank up the volume and then quickly. Pause really quick. <laughs> crank it really turn quick Turn it back down. down. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I chose not to play something on the podcast where you'd be like, is this thing still on? Did it, did it break? <laughs> Are yeah. we just recording blanks, blank time? <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Um, anyway, so let's listen to some music. catch me mid drink <laughs> or mid eat <laughs> mid drink or mid eat <laughs> i get the your go look and yeah I'm like, hang Time on to talk, Steven. <laughs> i'm just here to to be listening i'm just kidding i mean that's great but <laughs> no um, you're here to <laughs> share too i don't want to be like so i'm asia this is my podcast steven's here too i'm here to eat and drink and listen to her <laughs> And that now I like how we're kind of going, it was quiet, and then it was louder, and now we're getting a little bit softer and more approachable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's still debate on which one, which wh- what we're hearing. You, you think it's London Bridge? Oh, yeah. I, I think I might be alone. <laughs> and that's fine. I don't think it's a true debate. I think I'm just wrong. Debate in the comments. Debate in the comments. Do you hear London Bridge or Farajaka? I'll, I'll put up a poll. <laughs> um, that means you should all follow on Instagram and Facebook at Poor Me Mozart. Poor Me Mozart. I just made a face, but you can't see that. <laughs> um, Emoji face. <laughs> so in the background, if you can hear this, um, the timpani is going one, five, one, five, one, five, just over and <laughs> over and over. But it's kind of, uh, this is the funeral march. So it's mm. kind of like a death march. Mm-hmm. It's just marching very slowly. Um, and the orchestra is used to make this into a round, so it, it'll build and get bigger mm-hmm. and more and more dramatic in Mahler fashion, <laughs> Mahler Malbec fashion. But yeah, any other thoughts on that? I'm liking it so far. Liking it so far. <laughs> um, okay. We're on to, oh, the second movement is about eight minutes long and the third movement is 10 minutes long. So you've had a little bit of mm-hmm. a respite. And now we get to the 20-minute long <laughs> And we're going to listen movement. to all 20 minutes. Yep. <laughs> Sit back, relax. Except you can't because here's what the beginning sounds like.
relax to that, you might be Maleficent. (laughs) (laughs) That actually, that does sound like Maleficent music. Yeah. Like while she's like scheming or plotting or doing some curse or turning into a dragon. Who knows what she's doing? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows what she's up to these days? (laughs) I haven't seen Maleficent 2, so I really don't know what she's up to these days. It's not as good as the first one. It's hard to... I was kind of disappointed by the first one, to be honest. Really? Mm-hmm. I liked the first one. I thought it would be darker. It was a little too happy for me. Uh, maybe that's why I like Mahler. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you can really hear his tortured soul. <laughs> this movie isn't dark enough for my soul. <laughs> why so sullen, Edward Cullen? <laughs> my name is Asia. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm in the wrong house. <laughs> So that just keeps on going for like 20 minutes. It's not 20 minutes. You get a little bit of a break and you get to hear something that you can relax to. That was relaxing. (laughs) Yes. It's very beautiful. And, you know, the stuff from the beginning just kind of like whimpers out (laughs) and that like blossoms out of it. It's very, it's well done. But when you hear them next to each other like that, it's kind of like, how are these even in the same piece? Yeah. It sounds like two completely different pieces. Mm -hmm. And I mean, at least those excerpts. Yeah, Mahler said the symphony should be the world. So there you go. There's a little bit of everything. (laughs) Um, He does Asia transitions. (laughs) He does Asia transitions. (laughs) (laughs) I learned from the best. (laughs) Um, So I like to just kind of throw out whenever there's an orchestra excerpt, and that last bit that we heard is a common orchestra excerpt, which. A lot of them I can figure out why, like there's tricky bowing things. I mean, mm. this is um, tricky to sustain and really express, but other than that, it's not like there's not a lot of hard stuff going on. Well, mm-hmm. there's like five flats or something, so that's a bit to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> Violinists don't like flats. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, it's quite nice on an excerpt list when I see that come up. I'm like, ah. Nice. It's, it's just pretty, and I can <laughs> just think about making it pretty. Just relax and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's all I have from the symphony. The rest is explore on your own. Homework time. Homework time. <laughs> um, yeah, do you have any last thoughts about Mahler? He, he definitely, uh, I- at least in the excerpts that we've listened to, not listening to the full lengthy piece, he definitely does have a very large view of the world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Very different. Every excerpt seemed very different from the other ones. Yeah, that's true. I 
you know, didn't do that on purpose, but <laughs> liar. No. <laughs> <laughs> Telling the truth. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to actually read my mom's short book <laughs> about him. <laughs> speaking of homework time. <laughs> speaking of homework time, we'll report back next week. <laughs> Will you? No. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> um, so what are you looking forward to in 2020, a new decade? Oh, my gosh. <sighs> I turned 30 in 2020, so there's that 30, fun thing. 30, join the 30 <laughs> club. I don't know if I'm looking forward to that, but, oh, no, th- this is what I'm looking forward to. Ooh. Graduation. Yes. Are you graduating in May for sure? No, the fall, because we're fall? running subjects in June. Oh, um, okay. So... Yeah, fall. So, like, this time next year, minus a couple weeks, you'll be be a doctor. Finally. (laughs) It seems so silly. I was going to make some joke, like, will you look at this? But, like, you're a medical doctor, but I couldn't think of anything fast (laughs) enough. So I just kind (laughs) of stared at you for a little bit. (laughs) I get to be one of those people that says, not that kind of doctor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, isn't that better? Right? Because then you just get like, oh, nope, sorry, I can't do that. Well, you look at this mole. <laughs> nope, sorry, I can't. That's not me. <laughs> um, so, no pressure. Are you going to move back to Minnesota? Uh, you know, it depends on where the jobs take me. I mean, me. yeah. That's I right. have a feeling Texas might be an option, which is like drastically different from Minnesota. <laughs> mm-hmm. Same time zone. It is. It is. It's only a 18, 20-hour drive. My brother and I did it once. Well, I did it from Carbondale once for a conference, and it was horrible. Ew. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, I'm excited that you're going to be done with school finally. Yes. I thought it'll be a huge (laughs) After 11 and a half years. (laughs) It's a long time. Yeah. I mean, undergrad included, but. Mm, Still a long time. That's a long time. Like six years was too much. Yeah. For me. Six years in grad school would be too much for me, and that passed by a while ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> a year and a year ago, or something like that. I, sometimes yeah. I keep track. Sometimes I just—it's depressing. That's, that's fair. <laughs> well, cheers to you being in Minnesota now. Cheers. And cheers to the new year. Cheers to and the new year. Cheers to Mahler and Malbec. And cheers to pour me a Mozart. Cheers to pour me a Mozart. <laughs> Um, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Pour Me a Mozart. The website is twincitysymphony.org slash Pour Me a Mozart, where I said Facebook. Oh, Patreon. Um, follow us on, or no, give us money on Patreon <laughs> <laughs> because licensing is expensive and we need money. <laughs> is that a good plug? Is that how you sell things? We need money. <laughs> um, yeah, so patreon.com slash pour me a Mozart. Still not searchable. I don't understand. Technology hates me. Hey, can you help with technology? I mean, I can try. <laughs> All right, we'll take a look at it. <laughs> we'll just like angrily shake our fist at, at Patreon? Is, whatever algorithm Patreon uses yeah, for searches. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably because I don't have any followers that they're like, eh, you're not important enough to show up in a search. <laughs> Wouldn't that make me more important? Right? You need to get more people because then you get more traffic through their site and they get more money too. Exactly. Come on, guys. What are yeah. you thinking? Um, also, if you like this podcast and don't feel like giving us money, share with a friend who might give us money. <laughs> All right. 
Licensing is provided by APM Music. If it ever comes up, just be like, oh, it's the butter and sugar.